When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You know, we're going to fill in some of those innings with some guys that uh, might have started the season in our in our bullpen, but guys that we knew we were going to rely on uh, throughout this season. Um, and then hopefully, uh, you know, second time around through the rotation, hopefully we're not... Uh, you know, talking about these uh, these particular situations and Odo's back in there and ready to go. That's Rocco Baldelli. Twins fans are talking about how the Twins are going to uh, essentially prime themselves for a world championship that Judd will just urinate on in three months from now. <laughs> By the way, before we start the show, did we figure out what happened to Jake Odorizzi? Yeah, he okay? back tightness. So he'll, he's uh, fine. I think he's going to miss his first start. Okay. But yeah, That's I, fine. I think Homer Bailey's the expectation. Fine. The problem is, is ordinarily, you know, you know, 162 game season, not a huge deal. A 60 game season, every little thing is cause for concern because if you miss, a, you know, a, a short period of time in a 60 game season, that's a substantial amount of time. Exactly. So we'll dive into some twins talk today. It is random season recall Monday on the show. We're going to start with some Viking stuff that's coming out this morning, but a quick shout out to Federated Insurance. You know, Score North is home to Minnesota United Soccer. They have uh, four points in their first two games of pool play in the in the MLS is back tournament. So uh, if you own a business out there, you shouldn't feel like you're getting a yellow card. See what I did there? Every time you file an insurance plan. Just don't give me a red card, okay? Your starting 11, so to speak, should include an insurance team that's ready with a plan to get you back in the game when bad things happen. You can count on the back line at Federated Mutual Insurance Company for frontline protection to help shield you against everyday challenges and block risks like a goalie that could land your business at the bottom of the table. Not standings, table. That's right. That's how we say it in soccer I'm terms. Cheering up. I'm so impressed. Visit federatedinsurance.com to find your team's representative. At Federated Insurance, it's our business to protect yours. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. Does it feel like everybody sort of woke up around the NFL players... Owners, coaches, basically everyone except Eric Sugarman, who we'll dive into, uh, the Vikings head trainer, has has done what looks to be an incredible job COVID-proofing the Vikings practice facility. But the NFL has had literally the entire calendar year, like the Super Bowl takes place the first week of February, one month before COVID wipes out sports in this country. They've had since basically St. Patrick's Day to figure out all right, if this thing is still roaring around the time where training camp starts, what are we going to do? Like, how are we going to set up preseason? What are the safety protocols to keep players healthy and give them peace of mind? And yet, we really haven't accomplished any of that, it seems like, in the NFL, Judd Zolgad. Our guy Shefty, okay, um, this morning tweets, 
that the league and owners now, now, today, will be conducting a league meeting at 11 a.m. Central as they try to finalize health and safety measures, <laughs> financial arrangements, and reducing or eliminating preseason games per league sources. What is it you said you you would say you did the last four months? This is well, a, why would this be taking place on July twentieth? I know, and it's very baseball like. Well, here's the frustrating thing: up until now, football got a, a lot right, but none of it involved actual football games. Okay, so we all said the draft's going to be a cluster bleep. This is not, you know, the virtual draft's not going to work. And they're like, no, it will work. And you know what? To their credit, yeah. it did work. Schedule comes out. We're playing a full schedule. And, of course, that that is, what, May at the time. But we're all like, oh, cool, schedule's out. Let's break her down, which is always fun. Win, loss, win, win, loss, 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 right? Okay, so that's fine. And then they, they said, well, we can't hold our, our um, programs, our OTAs, and our camps, but we'll conduct things virtually. And so we had virtual, and as far as we know, you know, that was a nice step, right? So, like, we all said for how long, Phil, they're doing a pretty good job here. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're doing a pretty good job. The key was they didn't actually have to have players in their building, and they didn't actually have to have games. But how could you watch? Here's my question to you. How can you watch what baseball went through, which was ugly, unseemly? I mean, a lot of people have lost their jobs. A lot of people have lost their lives, okay? Sports is a great diversion. How do you watch what baseball did and say, we're smarter than that? But they're just starting the is same it, thing. Is it possible, if not likely, that the NFL pays zero attention to baseball at this point? <laughs> yes. The I, NFL's like, we passed baseball in 1996. <laughs> we, have, we have no idea what's happening with baseball. Uh, I think a lot, a lot of fans have done that. Rob what? So uh, Chad Graff has a story from The Athletic. What's the latest? What do we know right now about when the Vikings... I guess if this call with owners goes right today, when the Vikings might actually start training camp. Chad reports that in an email to players that must have gone out in the last couple of days, the Vikings said rookies and quarterbacks uh, should report to the team's headquarters in Egan this Thursday. Okay. And that um, the full roster, as of right now, is due to come in with the majority of teams, which would be next Tuesday, July 28th. Uh, the key to this whole uh, conversation right now is – the Texans and Chiefs, who play in the Thursday night opener, I think it's September 10th, they are um, uh, supposed to have the rookies report today because they're allowed extra time to report because their game is first. Mm -hmm. So the question is, are they going to show up? Are they going to just be tested so somewhere else or what? But, yeah, this whole thing, I, I have real doubts that at least on July 28th, a ton of players are going to uh, – show up and be like, set to practice, set to go. Yeah. And we we did see a bunch of what tweets came out on, on Sunday, a uh, a front of, among players. Uh, I saw Barr, Kendricks, Cousins, I believe, as well. Yeah, and tweeting. like Russell Wilson, who was around the oh, league. Oh, well, yeah. Uh, Watt, Wilson, Breeze, basically saying, if you don't really protect us, we can't play. Yeah. Um, but, okay, so here's the one comeback that I will say that I think – the National Football League has a certain amount of hubris where baseball couldn't. They have for so long pushed their players and the Players Association around. They are right now telling them, show up. Like baseball was like, we want you here, but we know we know that we have to talk. Like football is just being frontal. And my question is, are there going to be enough players who say, bleep you, we're not showing up? Or as we've seen uh, throughout the course of of um, union fights in this league, are we going to see the players collapse and be like, uh, 
Okay, we'll show up because we have to get paid. Yeah, well, so our buddy Tom Pelissero from NFL Network was tweeting some updates this morning, too. And so the latest NFL proposal to players, the original proposal included two preseason games. The players don't want any preseason games because why risk some sort of COVID outbreak or or like your quarterback contracts COVID because the idiot backup defensive lineman or something from another team. Now I get that they're getting tested before games. And so ideally anyone who would be playing is not positive for COVID, but why even risk it? Like why risk these preseason games? Right. Well, the answer is, I don't really know. I really, I was going to say maybe it's money, but like there's no fans in the stands. So I really don't know what the risk would be for these. So the NFL's latest proposal includes just one preseason game, which is interesting because that would mean maybe some sort of like local TV revenue for the, for the teams mm-hmm. that, I don't really know, and I don't know if, if there would be fans allowed in some of these, because some of the states are allowing different size gatherings than other states. But anyways, under the NFL's most recent proposal, the one preseason game would be played in what normally is the third preseason week, the week of August 27th, and that would provide an extra week of preparation leading into the first game of the season. What the players want, on top of a safety protocol plan of some kind, like, hey, if I'm going to come back to work, with 52 teammates plus practice squad guys plus coaches, like there's a hundred people that are going to be in and around these locker rooms and facilities and cafeterias and showers and everything. What's the plan here? And it's just egregious that on July 20th, like two days before, you know, rookies are going to be reporting in Houston and Kansas City that they don't have this plan. But the players also want no preseason games to limit the risk. And they want 21 days of strength and conditioning plus 10 days of non-padded practice. <laughs> Which is saying we really didn't work out all that right. much. Plus 10 days of padded practice. That virtual then, stuff was great, though. Right, exactly. Man, did I enjoy my drinks during the virtual training. It literally is like, <laughs> listen, I, I worked out, but what, I don't I don't what, trust Johnny over here. What, you think I'm in shape? You're crazy. <laughs> so they, And I would assume they want a couple of off days in the schedule. And they, so they want testing daily. Yes, daily testing and processing of results. Yep. So they would need six weeks to implement this schedule minimum, not counting the week leading up to week one, which starts the Vikings first game is September 13th. So the six weeks of preparation, even with no preseason games, would have to be done by like September 6th or 7th. So for that schedule to work, you'd have to start this week. And why they all waited this long to figure this out is Mind-boggling, but here we are. It makes zero sense. It makes absolutely no sense. And and I really do believe that the only logical thing I can think of is the owners are thinking, we got them, because we always do. Because there's so many guys who need that check, right? Like you, the, The only way I think that this can work as a unified union front where they literally don't go in and they're like, and and some guys might and some guys don't, but it scares the league is if the quarterbacks say, we're not coming. Like, if you have... Tom Brady's if, not saying that, by but, the way. But Russell Wilson might. Drew Brees might. If you had enough of those top five to ten guys, and I, I'm with you, I think Brady's like, I'm playing, guys, too bad. But I think... Yeah, if Russell Wilson's out, better chance for me to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, Great. but I think if you have five, if you have some of that top five to top ten quarterbacks say, no, no way, sorry, no. It's going to take... It, it's not going to be the players that don't come. It's going to be the star power. Right. Yeah. If J.J. Watt and all those guys are like, no, we're not doing this. And some guys like, but I'll play in place of J.J. Watt. The league's going to be like, get out of here. Who are you? No, no, no. This is one. This is one time that football has a chance, I think, to follow the NBA model, which is don't screw with your stars. I will add to what you just said. 
I think the NBA and the NFL stand to lose the most from COVID wiping out one of the 10 to 20, call it 15 to 20 stars and or quarterbacks in the NFL's case that matter. Like, think about what's going to happen in the NBA if we get to the conference finals and the Bucks are playing in the East still and, and the Lakers are playing in the West and LeBron James and Giannis both contract COVID and have to be quarantined throughout like the Western and Eastern Conference Finals. It, compl- it just like renders everything irrelevant. We're delaying it. And the NFL, there's you know 10 to 15, maybe 20, let's call it 10 to 15 really relevant quarterbacks that move the needle and that are franchise guys. Well, what happens if you know 15 guys catch COVID in a locker room, including Russell Wilson and you know a couple other key high-profile players like Football and basketball could become trash products very, very quickly if key players aren't playing for two or three or four week stretches. Look, if Kirk Cousins gets this, okay, make all the jokes you want about Kirk. If Kirk Cousins tests positive and can't play, the replacement is Sean Mannion. Yeah. But I mean, just think about this. We we can say whatever we want about about the fact that Kirk um, in the big games does not always come up big. Uh, that I personally don't think that he can win a championship for the Vikings, which I don't. All of those things. But if you come to me on a Saturday night and say, "Hey, Judd, exciting news tomorrow against the Packers, Mannion starts," I'm going to find a big building and I'm going to jump off it. Like that? No, no, I'm, I'm out. My, my adrenaline. Fired up a little bit there. I... I'm out! Tonight, on Thursday Night Football, career journeyman backup, <laughs> Sean Mannion. I mean, it's going to happen. Uh, there's a great... <laughs> Fire backup. Fire backup. This is too good. Sunday Night Football, Rodgers and Cousins... Have fevers of 105. So it's Mannion and Love next from Lambo. That's right. Mannion Love. Tonight on NBC. <laughs> oh god. No, I mean, but seriously, I mean if that's my if that becomes my option, yeah, I'm with you on the st- uh, you know, the star power thing. Woo! There's yeah. a great story uh and I it, it's very lengthy, so carve out some time during your lunch break or tonight at home or whatever, but Peter King actually flew to Minnesota. And Rick Spielman gave him a socially distanced tour of the Vikings COVID protected practice facility. Mm-hmm. So Eric Sugarman, who's been the Vikings head trainer for what? I mean, oh, 15, since, since Brad got here, 2006. So he all, brought about him. 14 years. Eric Sugarman's been the head, the head trainer for the Vikings. He's also now been put in charge of all building protocol when it comes to player safety. Hope we got a raise. And uh, I don't know how that works. The revenue's not exactly flowing as much as it was a year ago. <laughs> But uh, just reading through Peter King's detailed description, you know, the, like right when you walk in, there's this high tech system for you. You have to you have to have your face and temperature screened by some sort of tablet that senses if you're wearing a mask or not. So the first step is, as you're getting your temperature taken, it won't even take your temperature if half of your face isn't covered by something. So it's kind of a two birds one stone thing. Do you have a mask on, and what is your temperature the minute you walk into the practice facility? Fair. But reading through all of this stuff, like everything from the cafeterias to the locker rooms, the Vikings have really left no stone unturned. It sounds like the facility is in a good position to keep players safe. But we're talking about 25-year-old millionaires here who on a Thursday night or a Tuesday, you know, Monday, whatever, Victory Monday, you want to go out, have some fun. Look at the Zeke Elliott party from a few weeks back in Dallas that we saw all over the local sport or the 
national sports scene. Mm-hmm. So this is an interesting quote, though, from NFL Players Association President J.C. Treder, who is the Cleveland Browns center. And he said on Friday, quote, if the center tests positive on a Friday, like if, let's say, Garrett Bradbury tests positive on a Friday, mm-hmm. and there's a quarantine period for all of his close contacts, well, if I just came from practice or I've been in a huddle with all my offensive teammates, been doing individual drills with all of my linemen, and then blocking the defensive linemen and linebackers all afternoon, aren't we talking about like 35 guys being close contacts with me? And if they're all in quarantine for the next couple of days, what does Sunday's game look like? You don't have enough bodies on the field to play. Like, that's that's a real thing. In baseball, it's very likely or very unlikely you would come in contact. If you're the catcher, you're not going to come in contact with 25 guys on your roster. You probably share a baseball a couple of times with a pitcher. You're Umpire in the same might space. be in trouble, yeah, Umpire, exactly. Um, like there's Joe prob- West could be in trouble. You now, if you're, like, shaking hands with people, that's another story, but... In the NFL, just by its nature, what are you going to have socially distance, distance huddles? Are, are, are teams going to be forced to just go no huddle with hand signals? That's the like, stuff. That's the stuff we don't know, and that's the stuff that as we sit here now with training camps getting set to open within the next week, or hell, in some cases, supposed to open today. Has this been addressed at all? Like, there, there's so many questions here. Football. Yeah. I think that football and hockey are the two toughest sports because there's so much physical contact and and there's not distancing. Right. That those are the two sports where where precaution wise, you are going to have real, real problems. Yes. And hey. and to your point, we're talking about the problem being one guy gets it. So we're not talking about the problem being, oh, my God, 25 guys tested positive. One positive test. The trickle down to to what uh, Treader was saying is what? Well, but but I think the trickle down is to another question, which is because what he the scenario he just laid out is almost 100% sure to happen at some point this season, right? We've already seen it happen with two teams. Uh, didn't they kick two teams out of the MLS's back tournament? Dallas yes. yeah. and Toronto or something? Okay. Yeah. So, there, so, you know, something spreads across the soccer game. Now think about in soccer versus the, the NFL. Mm-hmm. Soccer, the field is massive. Guys are not using their hands nearly as often. Everything is more spaced out. They're not huddling 70 times in you know, uh, a two and a half, three hour window right. and at practice every day. They're distance by nature. Yep. Football is the most close quarters sport and basketball is pretty close quarters too. But if if something like this happens and it's going to happen, if a guy, if, a, if a, an offensive lineman or a center test positive on a Friday and oh my God, I've been in close contact with 35 other people. You have two choices at that point. You can either, you have to forfeit the game or reschedule the game until they've all tested or negative twice. Or you can say, listen, <laughs> you keep this, going, keep going, because this, this is what it. Roger this Goodell is. will be saying. Uh, listen, listen, hey, you, you guys have you guys have all comma. like one guy tested positive. Let's say let's say ten other guys tested positive because there's an outbreak. None of you feel symptoms. All right, if you guys don't feel symptoms yeah. and you're all just like operating in close quarters, that you're basically quarantined together, anyways. Yes. Do you then quarantine these guys together? But that, but then, but now the other team is at risk. Like this is. You're you're basically walking up to the line of the question of if young people that are athletes okay. and now Freddie Free did you guys see the Freddie Freeman interview yeah. from yeah, the his, weekend? Like his Freddie Freeman was one oh four. He thought he was Gary. gonna die he at one he point. Was die. He's He's a literally prayer. praying for himself in bed on July fourth or Good second baseball or whatever. Player too. But do you get to the point where you say, All right, we know that there's COVID cases, but no one feels symptoms is there is there another like do we do we move the line of scrimmage, so to speak? for what is acceptable. It sounds like you're struggling here. I don't think this league will. 
Like, like you're saying yes. the league. You're saying the league would send guys out. I'm saying, positive COVID to play football. I'm saying if on Friday of Week Three, Patrick Mahomes tests positive, but he's a young, healthy dude. He's asymptomatic, right? A term that we now hear very frequently. All right, it's Week Three though. You got a big game in Week Three on Sunday. I know he tested positive. You know he tested positive. But this game's on Sunday night football, and he's the MVP. And God help us if I have to see Matt Moore starting this game. Chiefs and Ravens. <laughs> Lamar yeah. Jackson. We're going to have, like, I, but, but I mean, shady third-party test vendors. Yes. That, <laughs> but we, you, need two, we need two negative tests stat right but, now but I just Pat t- Mahomes. I just, took, I just took you through the scenario that I think could happen. Are you really going to tell people? Like you should morally, but since when's the National Football League ever worried about morally? Eric Sugarman's going to disappear in like week four. I thought Kirk Cousins had a little fever. Where's Eric Sugarman? No yeah. one's seen him. Exactly. <laughs> it's going to be RG three versus yeah. Matt Moore on Sunday Night Football. Ravens Chiefs. No, well, that's the thing. Don't you guys think though that this is if there's one league that's going to push things as far as they can possibly go and possibly go off that cliff? I don't know, but you know, if we're talking about basketball, hockey, baseball, and football, doesn't it seem crystal clear? to you guys that the National Football League is going to test the the boundaries of what they can uh, get away with yes and do absolutely they absolutely will. like I think the, but, but I they, think basketball would not for sure you can test the boundaries all you want but ultimately if just going back to the JC Treader example if if 10 guys in a locker room including the starting quarterback and the backup quarterback because they're in meetings together all day and hanging out with each other and playing catch with the same football by like, the way I wouldn't have that you wouldn't put them in meetings together? I wouldn't together? put them in meetings together. But they have to be. The, the, like, for the product to be no, at all watchable. Different, different parts of the building, virtual. I keep them as far away from each other. I don't want my slappy backup quarterback getting my quarterback that's, sick. That's a good point. I, I mean, Sean, Sean Mannion's a, probably a great guy. This is nothing against him. But if he gets sick, I send him home with some Tylenol. And like, hey, dude, quarantine for two weeks, quarantine for two years. Don't yeah. just take care. If Cousins get sick... I'm screwed. Yeah. So it is, man, this is going to be so interesting to watch. This week, like this is, right, we have we have reached the week right now in sports that we've all kind of been waiting for for like four months. I think we all thought, four, if you would have asked four months ago, hey, how's this thing going to be? Is this, is this going to be a forest fire still in the United States of America the last week in July as, as all of the sports are looking to come back? I think we all would have said four months ago. I would hope that we have it mostly under control. And, and football would have said, no. Yeah, we'll get it, yep. and you could, and definitely like the death rates aren't what they were a couple months ago, and so that is good news. But in terms of having the actual virus and the spread of it under control, it is raging just as bad as it was, if not worse, it's worse four right? months ago. Yeah, um, and so leagues are going to face a lot of difficult decisions and unprecedented decisions that they've just like never been faced with. So um, baseball comes back this week. NFL training camp comes uh-huh. back this week. Baseball is back, boys. I was in tears watching. I was flipping back and forth. Mets, Yanks last night, Cubs, White Sox. I was flipping back and forth like it was October baseball. Right, let's talk about that here in just a second. Oh, we got to talk about that. Plus, we're gonna we're gonna do some sort of twins talker every single day this week. We're gonna start with a little bit of twins fear mongering here. Nice. Because I got a glimpse of that White Sox lineup this week. Judd asked in, in our pre show email prep. Hey, who do you fear the most, White Sox or Indians? I'm 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 past the answer to that question, and I'm actually just like staring at the White Sox let's, lineup with straight fear. Sixty game schedule. Let's I would, just it say would, 162. I wouldn't be as scared, but the Southside Hitmen are back. 
We'll see if they can pitch, but that's also well. We'll get into it here. But let's let's thank Luther Brookdale Toyota first. Uh, they're on the corner of 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard, and they've been helping out the Mackey and Judd Show and Purple Daily and all of Score North for a number of years here, but especially the last four months or so. And uh, and in turn, you can get some great deals. They will help you not only with service, but they'll help you get into a brand new 2020 RAV4 for just $249 a month or get 1.9% financing for 60 months. If you're looking for a camera, you can lease a 2020 Camry for just $209 per month or finance for 60 months at 1.9%. I've driven Camrys, Corollas, and RAV4s exclusively for the last 16 years or so, and uh, it's great. I love the durability. I love the gas mileage. I love all the new technology and safety features. Stop in on the corner of 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard. They have safety protocols up and down, and if you don't feel comfortable, that's okay, too. You can shop online at LutherBrookdaleToyota.com. He's got a very resilient body. He's got a unique frame with that strength and that size. That's Baldelli talking about Judd Zolgad over the weekend. <laughs> Is it all very, very true. It's all very, very true. Actually, Hydrated, in great shape. It was actually Baldelli on Miguel Sano. Um, could be me. I don't, know, be like, I don't know if I would call... Miguel Sano having a res- resilient body? Is that what He's got mean? a very resilient body. He's got a... I don't know if I'd say that's that. Ro- that's Rocco speak. <laughs> yep. it, it's Rocco speak for I know it's going to sound good, and so I'm going to say it because I support my players. What does having a resilient body mean? Um, bounce back it means you can get the vid and come back from it? Like maybe. Vid. You, you get the COVID, you come back from the COVID. So that's what it means. He's got a strong immune system, I guess, would be another way to put that. So we're going to, the, the Twins uh, The twins have a scrimmage this Wednesday against the Cubs, and they open up their season. What do so we call it? Say. Exhibition game? Yeah, it's exhibition game. I call it an exhibition game. And, and they do this. Training. They've done this before. Like, as they swing back up sometimes, they went and played the Nationals a few years That's ago. Right. Yeah. So they, they do this once in a while. But they play the White Sox to open their season. This upcoming Friday night is when the Twins season starts here. So we're going to talk Twins well, not only this week every day, but probably every day until their season's over. Let's let's face it here. So slow start. That could be quick, Phil. That's a good point. Sixty game season. Good point. Ten games in, we might be like, well, that's enough twins for the season. They're all in ten. Well, let's start with some fear mongering here. Okay, today's twins talker: White Sox or Indians? Who makes you more nervous in a sixty game season? I already gave away my answer. I'll yeah, give this you the one line is, in a second. Yeah, this one is so. So Cleveland's pitching is really really good. And, but and not as good as it was like gonna a year be, ago. Right, but they find guys. They develop guys. They do a good job there. But the fact is, the uh, offensively, they definitely dropped off in 2019. Uh, I think they're going to be improved there. But look at the White Sox. The White Sox have a, a chemistry or a mixture, I should say probably more properly, of old and young. Um, the same applies to their pitching staff. If you look at what the White Sox are going in, in with, I think that the Twins are going to win the division, or that they should, not are going to. I think the Twins should win the division this year, and I think the Twins are going to be um, damn good for a while to come. I think they're a very good team. But the White Sox are going to become a very big pain, and I think that the White Sox and the Twins are going to be going neck and neck for this division, probably for sure, I would say, starting in 21, for sure, because this is a good, young, well-built, well-constructed, it's got enough star power now team. So Judd Judd first latched on to the White Sox like three years ago, and I did make fun of you because you had said like 2018 was going to be there. Like, they're here now. This is, to me, this is like you were right about the White Sox on the horizon, and that horizon is now. You could just apologize. All right. 
Well, no, you said it was going to be like I know, 2018. But you can just say I'm very sorry. I you were right you. about the white. <laughs> you heard my story. Baldelli had, had to prop <laughs> me up by saying good things about my physique because you ripped me yeah. on the White Sox. So you were right about the White Sox being a force at some point, and they have expedited the process by signing free agents like Dallas Keuchel, Edwin Encarnacion. They've also uh, there's a couple other like sneaky Grandall. Uh, yes, Grandall's Grandall. a good signing. It's Nomar a- Mazzara drove yep. in like a hundred runs for Texas a couple years ago. And uh, they bought low on him too in a trade. So where I where I disagree with something you just said is that you said the Twins should win the division this year, but then 2021 these two teams go neck and neck. I, I think because this is a 60 game season, there is no should in a 60 That's game season. I, I appended it. They, yes, they will go toe to toe this season, and then the White Sox well, will Cleveland be even better could now next too. year. Absolutely, in 60 games. Honestly, Detroit could. Like we have no idea. Yep, like any yeah. almost any team can get hot for 60 I'm say, games. I'm saying I like the Twins more than the White Sox, I think, on paper right now, but the White Sox are closing that gap in a very quick fashion. If How's it, that? It, it's totally accurate. If the Twins hadn't signed Josh Donaldson, which is the biggest signing in Twins free agent history, I think the White Sox and the Twins would be neck and neck even going into a 162-game season. I think Josh Donaldson puts the Twins like a handful of games better over 162 mm-hmm. than the White Sox. I think over the course of 60 games, it's literally anything can happen. If you have a bad series or a pitcher gets hurt or something, it throws off your entire season. The White Sox rotation alone, just like the, the lineup is the thing that we stare at, but their rotation, Lucas Giolito is one of the better pitchers in the American League. Dallas Keuchel, we've seen what he can do with the Astros, what he did last year with the Braves. Gio Gonzalez is a professional major league pitcher, which the White Sox have not had a lot of the last few years. And then the, the just the, the stable of great young arms they have sort of battling it out for the four and five spots. Their rotation has a ton of upside. Giolito has ace potential. And then you look at their lineup. Jose Abreu, Edwin Encarnacion, who is on pace for 500 career home runs. Tim Anderson came on last year. Eloy Jimenez. Won the batting title. Yeah, Yon awesome. Moncada. Like, this is a ridiculous lineup. Yeah, I these was, guys can hit. For I sure. would still yeah. take the Twins lineup over the White Sox lineup. I would still take the Twins rotation and also bullpen over the White Sox, but it is not a wide gap like it's been the last. couple It's going to be fun now. Mm-hmm. Like I don't think we're going to, to see in the next few years the the thing where a team like the Twins in 2019 gets up to a great start and we all say okay, it, it's done now. And then Cleveland might start to catch up, but they really don't. Um, I think we are now going to embark on a probably or should be embarking on about a five-year period where, if nothing else, it's Twins Chicago, which is going to be great because when these two teams build some hate, we've seen this, it's a lot of fun. It is. Dex, like, how much of a Twins fan were you when these two teams really hated each other oh, in the early 2000s? I, you coming into your own as a Twins fan? Oh, yeah. My irrational sports hatred. It was basically the entire White Sox starting rotation. John Danks, Gavin Floyd. Couldn't stand him. Couldn't stand him. And then Bobby Jenks was their closer oh, for a while. He is probably number one on the Mark list. Mark Burley. Who, yeah. Mark Burley, by the way, uh, the only good thing about Mark Burley is you knew that Stop. you were going to have to be at the ballpark for five yeah. hours for Stop. him. Stop. Yeah, no, he worked fast. I love Burley. Burley was the great. I loved I went, that guy. I went Chris Sale works quick, too. Pavano and Burley start in 2010 at Target Field, and I think the time was 210. And then, it was and amazing. And then a tornado hit game. like five minutes yeah. later. Yeah. 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 A torrential storm hit. Yeah, but the, I don't think this has been a rivalry. Correct me if I'm wrong, but like this hasn't been an actual rivalry in at least ten years, right? Because no. no. Cleveland and Detroit, and, and then Kansas City, Chicago dropped off too. Yeah, 
No, it's been it's been boring. They were they were somewhat relevant in 2010 during that divisional race until the, the Twins eventually pulled away by late August, early September. But, but I'm they talk- were in it. But I'm talking it's about true hate. Yeah. Like the this is the best team and we can't stand them. Tory Hunter's going to wipe out your catcher at home plate and start a brawl. <laughs> you yeah. know what? I'll, I'll say this. Damn shame that we can't uh, see that now. New baseball rule. Buster Posey rule. Oh, don't don't hit the catcher. Which Twins player just tap him. out of hatred is most likely to ignore that rule and destroy Yasmani Grandal? Josh Donaldson. Oh, Donaldson? Yeah. yeah. Donaldson. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's not even close. <laughs> I, I, right. I think he would. He would run, run through a catcher and get run <laughs> ejected, and I don't think he would say, I'm sorry. I could see Eddie Rosario. I could see, I could see Rosario. Rosario that would be because he forgot the rule. <laughs> Donaldson would be fully sign. fully aware of said rule and still go right through Grandall. <laughs> uh, I did enjoy, I was watching, I don't know, like 30 or 40 minutes of that twin scrimmage yesterday on, on the Twins website. Yep. And, and they had Corey Provis and Dan Gladden on the call, which was another great thing to have, have yes. those guys back. But sometime in like the sixth inning, Rocco Baldelli came out and said, all right, we're going to work on some situational things here. Did we confirm... Because they were kind of debating in the broadcast booth. They didn't know if he, if he was just putting runners on first and second to start the inning to put pressure on the defense. No, it was, or what, it was, it was a simulation it of the It was a simulation. I, I think it was a simulation of what Rocco might have his intention of doing. Because we're, we're going to see in the 10th for 2020, correct? A guy put on second base. Yes. And I think Rocco's thing then would be probably he's going to walk the next guy to set up a force out okay. and, and then expect a bunt. And I Let's did talk see, about that. And I did see when this rule was passed for this year, um, a lot of a lot of baseball people across the board, new age as well, Phil, saying that they do think that the first move is going to be as much as this has become taboo in baseball. The first move in that situation will be to try to bunt the guy to third to have him on third base with one out. Let's talk about this. Let's 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 roll up our sleeves and get into the baseball uh, weeds here because you know we haven't man. been able to do this in <laughs> oh, like man, bring nine it on. months. Bring it. Hold on a second. I'm rolling up my sleeve right now. Let, let's for the first time. Baseball drugs, man. This is the first time since like the beginning of October last year that we have been able to evaluate something baseball related it. like it's football. Okay, let's do it. So this was the sixth inning of a Twins inner squad scrimmage game at Target Field that was televised, quote unquote, only on the team website. Yeah, you know what? And I we are going to do a deep dive into the strategy. You know what? I've got and the Judd uses his thirty dollars scorebook to score it. Exactly. $30. Third consecutive game. Third consecutive game. On- I score this puppy. Nice job. Nice job. And Keep I, the streak I alive. Some, I also have some notes on who got put on base. Come on, Cal Ripken. Can you do yeah. a fourth? Can you do a fourth? No, I'm not going today. I'm not going today, and, and then I think they're going to leave for Chicago on uh, Tuesday. Yeah, this is the last one today. All right, go ahead. So I think if you are the home team and you have you have your defense and your pitcher out for the opposing team's top half of the 10th inning, right? Yeah. I think walking the first batter to put runners on first and second is a huge mistake. If that was a preview yesterday, and again, I am now and we don't know for sure. I am evaluating and critiquing okay. and judging a decision Rocco Baldelli made in an inner squad scrimmage game at Target Field yesterday. Okay, so big block of salt. But if you're the home team and you walk the batter to put runners on first and second with nobody out, okay, you are now increasing the likelihood that that team puts a crooked number on the board in their half of the tenth inning, and now you have to answer it in the bottom half of the tenth inning. Okay, if you're the road team and you have Let's say you're the road team and you were held scoreless in the top half of the 10th, and now the opposing team only has to score one run to beat you in the bottom of the 10th. Then I think walking that batter is optimal because it sets up a chance to get multiple outs. In the top, this is the biggest difference. And this is where like the chess match is going to be really interesting. 
in the top half of the inning, preventing your opponent from scoring multiple runs is the most important thing. If they score two or three runs, you're screwed. So if you put runners on first and second base with nobody out. This is the Minnesota Twins. That lineup might not be screwed. You're screwed. You'll just score five. (laughs) You're screwed. You're You're just going to score four or five. But if you get to the bottom half of the 10th inning because you went scoreless in your top half, you're... Walking that batter, that batter doesn't matter because like the game-winning run is on second base, so you have to get that guy out mm-hmm. to to keep the game alive. So I'm just saying, like, I know. Do you bunt though? Do, um, do you do you, as a matter of course, almost automatically bunt said no. guy from second to third? So uh, no, in so fact, sack think, fly scores him. I think we could actually pull up. There are this is because I think teams I'm, are going to. I think teams are going to bunt Phil. I'll take you deeper in the weeds here. They have things in baseball front offices and in the analytics world called run expectancy charts where it tells you how likely you are to score a run or how many runs you are likely to score in every single base and out state in an inning. So like first and third, nobody out. First and third, one out. First and third, two outs. How likely you are to score runs based on those situations. And I think you're actually more likely to score a run with a runner on second base Mm -hmm. And nobody out, swinging away three times. Then, then you are a runner on third base and one out, because you only get that one chance for some sort of sacrifice situation. So we you can think double teams check that. Won't I think it's. I think it depends on who's coming up. If you've got the hardier, if you have a runner on second base and you've got Josh Donaldson, Nelson Cruz, and Eddie Rosario coming up, giving away an out in that spot to move the guy over to third base would be foolish. You yeah. should just take three swings to get that guy in from second base. But if base. it's if it no, there's really no weak spot. I was going to say lineup, what, so they should eight, just nine, be swinging away. Not that bad. But if it's the, if, it's, like an, not that if bad. it's an old Twins lineup with like Jason Castro and like the Piranhas, yeah, some crappy second then baseman you Matt the Tolbert, over. then you're just hoping that Matt Tolbert can hit a bleeding dribbler up the middle that scores the guy from third base, right? So it all, it all depends on what your lineup is, and then it all depends on are you batting in the top half of the tenth or the bottom half of the tenth. Would you walk the next batter to fill that first base? So, give it to me. That's a deep dive give into it to the me. Twins' sixth inning inner squad scrimmage. It's right going to be curious to see, though. Like, I, I'm very intrigued now to see how, how this plays out. And, and I'm also intrigued to see in the course of the 60 uh, game season if there's a movement from, from how teams start strategically to how they, they are, let's say, a month plus in. Yeah, like I got to think that there's going to be some trial and error thoughts as well, right? That teams are going to basically take a set philosophy to start this with and evolve that. Also worth noting, whoever the pitcher is that starts the inning has to face three batters or fake an arm injury. They can just fake, We're gonna see fake that arm injury. Especially, there's going to be so many fake you know arm injuries in like the World Series when it doesn't matter. It's like Game Six of the World Series. You know what? I need my lefty to get this guy out and then act like his Dave Dravecki, basically act like his arm exploded. Just play a loud popping sound. Yeah, it's very possible now. Just play it, PA guy. Play that loud popping sound of a arm oh breaking. Oh my arm! My arm! I won't be back oh until no. tomorrow. I won't be back till tomorrow. When that actually happened though, to Joel Zamaya Target Field, like you heard it audibly. So gross. Oh, yeah. On the, it was. It should have been bleeped out. It was yeah. so gross, dude. Dravecki's arm. Broke too, just like that. Oh. So, okay, that? Joel Zumaya. So that happened when he was with the Tigers, yes. right? Yep. It happened again when he was with the Twins, like two years later. Yep. And I was I was standing 10 feet from home plate, basically. Well, probably more like 20 feet. Like, I was standing basically like they had a cage around home plate on one of the side practice fields in Fort Myers. And they were doing their, like, you know, three-hitter groups for batting practice facing live pitching. 
And so this was the first live batting practice session against Twins pitchers, like Major League versus Major League, last week in February or something. And it was Drew Terra, Danny Valencia, and like Rene Tassoni or Woo! something in oh, that group, boy. right? Murderers, bro. <laughs> That's yeah. tough. And I'll never forget. So Joel, Joel, Joel Zumaya's up there. He signed with the Twins. He got a $500,000 guarantee. He's ready to go. He's going to make the team. And he is pumping fastballs in the warm-up pitches. And Drew Terra walks over, and he like he just leans over to me because I was the like the only guy nearby. He goes, Jesus. <laughs> he goes, this guy's not messing around. Like Butera's comment was kind of like, this is the second week of spring training, and this guy's like grunting 100-mile-an-hour fastballs to the plate. Sure enough, Valencia's up in the right-handed batter's box. It's like five minutes later. And Zumaya throws, I think it was a breaking ball, and he lets out a, Ugh! and he kind of clenches his teeth, and he walks off the mound, does a lap, like kind of around by second base, comes back around to the mound, and everyone kind of stops. He's like, hey, dude, are you okay? And Dan, Danny's like, Valencia's like, are you okay, man? We, are, we, are we okay? <laughs> and I remember Butera leaned over again. He's like, this guy needs to calm down. The next pitch, he tries to throw another breaking ball. And his arm, like, he throws he throws the breaking ball, grunts again. And his arm, it looked like his shoulder was dislocated or something. Uh, like his arm was, like, dangling. Could, could you hear a pop? And he walked straight off the field. I didn't hear a pop. Oh, but I heard, heard the pop. But I, but I heard him yell, like, oh. <laughs> oh. But these guys Poor are dude. watching him throw it beforehand, and they kind of knew, like, what is he doing? Why is he throwing, like, all-out effort as that, he would in August in a as, spring game? As confirmed on Wikipedia, he threw 13 pitches in a live batting practice sex- session and then was released five days later. Yeah. That oh. is snap, crackle, pop, though. <laughs> that is the worst sound. Yeah. The, the grossest one I, I heard was covering the Vikings. It was uh, Childress's first year, I believe. It was 2006. And it, they had signed a veteran safety, Tank Johnson. Tank. Nice guy, great guy. Tank, and great Tank Williams? Or Tank, was it, or, yeah, no, no, no. Tank Williams? Williams, yeah. not, not Johnson. So he was in the he was in the end zone, and I was I was right outside. So it's like him in the back covering a, a guy, and I'm like beyond the end zone line barely. And he goes to make a play, and I hear this, what sounded, for, for lack of a better description, like two heels clicking together up. Just a quick, and he collapses and starts screaming. And I realized it was his ankle going, I guess, oh. or his knee. It, something had popped. Oh. But it sounded, but it sounded like he had taken the heels God. of his his shoes, like Dorothy, and clicked them. Oh. And I'm like, what the hell was that sound? And then he's, and I'm like, oh my god, that that was a break. That That's was a break. So gross. Who was the other dude who blew out both patellar tendons? Um, Greg Childs. Yeah, the wide receiver out of uh, Arkansas. Arkansas. Yeah. Yeah, him and Jarius Wright were team. Yeah, he blew. It was a red zone oh. drill, and he was in the end zone. It was at the scrimmage in, in Mankato, that oh. Saturday night you know scrimmage. Old that tweets they exposed do. next week. There might be a Greg Childs tweet receipt from Dex wow. tweets. Yeah, but you were probably, I mean, there he, might be one. He looked like he might be pretty good, right, at one time? He was not like, great, but I mean, he. Yeah, he was 6'3, 220 pounds. He was, he was humongous. But he, he blew was a beast yeah, at Arkansas. He blew now, out. He, now he's 6'1. And now. <laughs> He How about that? He blew up both knees basically simultaneously. Think about that for a second. Both knees went. That's really gross. But at least you can't hear that, I don't think. Like a muscle snapping? No, I don't think so. Yeah, but I'm talking about when bones snap, that's the grossest thing. <laughs> like when an arm goes into two, like, like it breaks into two, bang! Bang! You hope that doesn't happen to people. Like Breen? That's bang. bad news. Bang! Bang! My mom went, yes! <laughs> yes, that just snapped! Sorry, yeah, guys. just a random season recall before I throw up. Sure. Uh, you know what? I hope it's an improvement on our last Me one. Me too. 
The last one was tough. We might have peaked too early in random season recall, but we'll see what Declan has All in store for us. Random season recall, where Judd and I attempt to put our heads together as Declan throws a random Minnesota sports season at us and subsequent questions. We try to remember as much as we can about these random seasons. And he's, folks, he's not picking the 1991 twins. He's not picking. He picked the 99 twins. Just about killed <laughs> just us. The opposite, just yeah. about killed the segment. Yeah, he's not picking the 2009 Vikings, although we, we could do that one at some point, too. He's, he's going obscure here. So, Declan, the floor is yours. All right. Try and stump us. We have the uh, 2006 Vikings today. And yeah, as uh, Judd said before the break, that was Brad Childress's first season yes, as head coach of the Purple. I think um, we're going to do okay here. I yeah. feel like, yeah, I think I, I think you're, I'm, I'm happy for you here. Don't I get too ca- do don't get cocky before it's we time both to covered cocky. this team. Yeah, so. we did. How many wins did the 2006 six, Vikings six finish with? Six and ten. That is correct. <laughs> and and they got off to a really really solid start. You know what they, that like, start was? And then four and collab- two, and then they, played- they going into the Patriots game on Halloween night at the Metrodome. I believe they had won four games. They were four and two going into that game. Yes. <laughs> I remember thinking this damn team could win the division title, and it was yeah, it was kind of billed as like Brad Childress is this new mastermind. <laughs> Rubik's Cube solving coach. His first game. His first game was a Monday night game in Washington oh. against that club. Well, and Brad and Brad Johnson was his starting quarterback. Brad Johnson mm-hmm. beat his old team because he had come. Uh, he had gone from the Vikings to Washington, and after that game, Brad Johnson went to the Vikings team bus in his old Washington jersey. To rub it in. Wow. <laughs> he put it on in the postgame locker room. Troll job. You, oh, Brad had, Brad, Brad seemed like, uh, and Brad was a very nice guy, but like he seemed like this, you know, laid back Southern type of guy. Brad had some piss and vinegar in Brad. It was fun. <laughs> the Brads. The, I forget. The, the, I feel like the, the half of yeah, season the Brads of Brad's didn't get along. Of dude. the Brads was. The Brads didn't get along well <laughs> at all. All right. What else you got? Judd answered the, uh, my next question already. They, they opened up against Washington on Monday Night Football. Uh, but they also played a couple other primetime games. You mentioned the New England game. Can you name the other primetime game they played that season? Mm. It was week 16. Oh, um, week 16. So this is, oh, so week 17 was the Rams debacle. Oh, they played um, the Packers, right? Thursday Thursday night game. Oh, boy. Fred Smoot Smoot scored a touchdown and did the Lambeau leap. And got beer dumped on him instantly, and it was hilarious. Was that the rainy T-Jack game where he yes. like threw you know, for 40 yards or something? That was the T-Jack's fi- first start. The final score of that game? Oh, I think it was like 9-7. Wow. Yeah! God's on today. I covered the team, so this is good. I'm glad we're doing something that I actually, my brain cells <laughs> have not all died yet. Yeah, right. T- T-Jack was just like thrown in. Yeah. He should not have been starting an NFL game no, at that point. It, no. was, it was raining. Brad had been lifted ugly. in the... So I think the week before that, if I'm not mistaken, they had lost at Soldier Field to the Bears. Brad got lifted in that game, yeah. and they put T-Jack in. And post-game, I recall, we we rushed into the, the room to talk to T-Jack, you know, second-round pick. He had just played. Oh, my God. And I remember we asked him, we're like, did you feel prepared for this? And he flat out, God, mm, God rest no. his soul, he flat out said, no, not really. <laughs> 10 of 20 for 50 yards for Tavares Jackson in that start. Royce's column off that game was, I believe that this is the worst starting quarterback performance that I have seen ever in covering the Vikings or or going back to, uh, you know, his time 
watching them as a fan. I think Patrick deemed that at the time the worst performance that he had seen as a Viking starting was that from a even starting quarterback. So that was a really bad performance. Was it his worst performance as a starting quarterback? I think they were statistically it might have a rating of thirty five point four. Yeah, there were definitely might not have been his worst rating, performances then. by Vikings quarterbacks subsequently in were the there, next ten years. Were there fewer yards thrown in a game where T. Jack played the whole game than that for him? Though that I don't know Probably the answer not. to. Oh, Probably not. Brutal, dude. Uh, that I game did, is one of the worst games I ever covered. If you look at the run of quarterbacks, so th- so like 2006 until they got Brett Favre in 2009, it's a lot of T. Jack sprinkled in. But it is so bad. It's it's Brad Johnson at the end of his career to start the 06 season. Um, I did. Uh, I, we do these video series on Score North social media. Judd does Morning Judd. Declan just debuted a few seltzers in last week. I do random Minnesota athlete. And Kelly Holcomb was my random Minnesota nice. athlete this week. He oh. started three games in 2007, went 0 for 3. Brooks Bollinger oh. started the game, got beat like 31 to 3 or something at Lambeau. Oh. I mean, Brett Favre yes. truly was a savior in 2009, and 06 was kind of a starting point for that. It was, it was the first post-Dante Poor season. Brooks Bollinger, man. That game against the, the Packers, I think they gave. I think the Vikings bad. gave up a 40 spot in that game, actually. It was really bad. It was off the yeah. charts, but yeah. All right, what, what else you got for us here? We're, I thought we're on a roll here. Judd Zolgat's got the hot hand. So five players threw a pass for the Vikings that season. Three were quarterbacks. Okay. Two were others. Who are the five total? So there's three quarterbacks. Okay, involved. so Brad. Okay, so Brad Johnson, T. Jack. Yep. Who was the other quarterback? They, there would have been they trade before Thigpen. They traded for Bollinger that year, didn't they so trade Bo- in training camp? They traded for he was with the Jets, with, I believe. With the Jets. So I think Bollinger. Let's guess Brooks is, Bollinger is the third one. Did he throw a pass? Yep. Okay. 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 Two I, others. I'm almost positive Chester Taylor threw a pass. Yeah, he was the workhorse running back, so he probably did. Chester Taylor. Oh, oh dang it. Well, who did they run a trick play or something? You're, who was, you're close. You're oh, very clo- close. Oh, uh, Moeldy Moore. Okay. Okay. And then one other. Both these guys threw touchdowns. Moeldy Moore threw a touchdown, and so did this guy. Oh, I think Moeldy Moore pass. threw the touchdown against the Seahawks in Seattle, right, Declan? Is that right? Who was it? I, I said, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, Moeldy Moore threw the touchdown pass against the Seahawks in Seattle. Yeah, I, I, I know he threw a pass. I don't know which where he I threw I think it was to Marcus Robinson, yeah, possibly. Yeah, he, he threw a touchdown. Well, who, okay. are the, who are the receivers that would have thrown a touchdown pass? Marcus Robinson could have. Was Bobby Wade there yet, or was that 07? No. Oh, Travis Taylor was on the team in 2006. All right. Um, Who were the punter and the kicker that year? In Ryan, Long, Ryan Longwell. He was kicker. Okay, he was the kicker. Yeah, he, he signed in, in the the he went to free agent class that Brad brought in. It was Chester Taylor, Lieber. Was Cluey the kicker or the punter? Yes. Cluey. Yes. Chris Cluey. All right, who, I, was Ryan Longwell. Ryan Longwell threw a touchdown pass. He did? Wow. Yes. Against whom? Let's see. I don't... Now that you mention it, it sort of rings a bell, but not really. He was one for one, a 16-yard touchdown pass. Mm. As a 32-year-old. Already. Good for him. Ryan Longwell. I would not have We should get him on one. to talk about that sometime. Yes, I agree. A great career achievement. Yeah. All right, what else you got? Who was the team's leading receiver in 2006? Uh, oh. And yards or catches? Um, Catches. Catches. Okay. He, I think he, it, was, it ended up being both, but... Okay, I think it so was Travis Taylor. The receivers were Taylor, Marcus Robinson. Who else? Oh, my Phil? God. Um, um, Troy Williamson. <laughs> wasn't Troy Williamson then, yes. It was Marcus Robinson, Travis Taylor, Troy Williamson, and then Jermaine Wiggins, I think, was still okay. the tight end there. It was before Vasante Shanker Do we need there. to allow for the fact 
that a running back or tight end might, might have been the leading receiver. Yeah, Ch- so I think it's between Travis Taylor and Chester Taylor. Yeah, because the... <laughs> I and neither one of them Wiggins. probably caught more than like 55 or 60 passes. Yeah. I'm totally guessing at this point. That escapes me. So which one do you want to go with? Let's go with Travis Taylor. All right. Nice. Boom. 57 catches, 651 yards oh God, for Travis so, Taylor. So bad. And if I'm not mistaken, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, so they, they played the Rams New Year's Eve game. That night of that game, the team had a party bus. They were downtown. Travis Taylor, and I believe, I'm not joking you guys, his mother arrested. What? His mom was on the party bus with the team, I believe, and she was with him, and something happened, and the cops arrested. I during believe. the season? No, it's after it's after the last game. Oh, okay. That, that debacle against the, the Rams, where they absolutely got lit up and mm-hmm. didn't care. Like, they completely gave up. Lit up by who? You remember who lit him up? A little bonus question. Fitzpatrick? Ryan Fitzpatrick. Fitzmagic? Was the third-string quarterback for the Rams, and I'm pretty sure Ryan Fitzpatrick put the game? Vikings up at home. Yeah, That game was a debacle. Those players, I that's as, that's as checked out as you can see a group of players. It, it was impressively checked out. And I think Mike Martz might have still been the coach of the Rams. Or was... Or was um, I'm just looking. I'm, I'm not then. cheating. I'm just looking. Running at, in the coach, then. You know what? I'm sorry. I might have made a mistake. Uh, I think Ryan March, Fitzpatrick was 05. Ryan Fitzpatrick lit the Vikings up, or or at least played against so the played Vikings in 05. 06. Who played in that game? I don't. Uh, I don't want to cheat. So Somebody give me a box score. Somebody <laughs> for which one, Judd? Uh, 2006, December 31st, Vikings Rams at the Metrodome. Yep. Who played? Right, here it is. I got yep. it for you. Right. you want, and I'm yeah. not. I'm trying not to cheat here. I'm just looking at the box score for this game, and I'm not looking at players other yeah. than the Rams quarterback. Um, oh my god! Yeah, I know who it was. Okay, go ahead. You know, you want to guess who it is? Or I, I have not know? looked. I'm closing the box. I don't. It want was to uh, it was Mark Balder. Mark Balder. Okay, was the one okay. who started. He was still there. Okay, they lit him up though. I feel like we're, we're this. Is this a no hitter? No, it's, like it's like a one hitter. It's, it's like a one. Hitter. Like one wrong. You got any more? Yeah, I got one more. Who uh, who led the team in tackles in 2006? Okay, so Greenway blew his ACL on the. Opening in the preseason, the preseason against the Raiders. Uh, so it wouldn't have been him. Kevin and Pat were there. Uh, it would have been probably a linebacker. It would have been a linebacker, yeah. E.J. Henderson. Um, this is just Jimmy and Joe here. Sure. Okay, E.J. So Henderson, Dontarius e. Thomas would have been. I love Dontarius Thomas. Um, was Sharper still here on that team? Sharper was on the team, yep. Actually, Antoine Winfield might have led the team in tackles. Ooh, that's a good one. Antoine or a linebacker? I, I would say Antoine or E.J. Okay, I, Let's would, go I, would EJ. I think EJ is a good guess. It's very though. close. And I bet I bet I'll go with Judd's instinct on EJ it and I'll bet, like EJ. I'll bet they're within 10 or 15 tackles of each other. EJ Henderson? Yeah. And nice. then Antoine Winfield in 12 within 12 of EJ. Yeah! Oh, Mackie! Take, take that random season recall. Take that. Oh my goodness. Random season recall. 2006 Vikings. Totally they might have been bad, but we were good. Shut it down. Uh, the If I remember right in that Patriots game, because that was built up, you know, Halloween week. It was Monday night game. Monday, Monday night, night football, and this is the up-and-coming offensive mind. This is Andy Reid's protege. The Vikings have a great system. Yes. And the, the Patriots, and, and the best run-stopping defense in the NFL with the Williams wall. And Bill Belichick and Tom Brady said, I got an idea. Let's just not run the ball. Their secondary sucks. In fact, let's just throw the ball 55 times in this. I got that's the box what, score. Yeah. Up. What's the box score? 
Brady pass attempts. I think it was 55, oh, right? 50. 43. He completed oh, okay. 29 of 43. But they barely ran, right? For 372. Yeah, they did not run a lot. The Vikings only ran 15 times for 45 yards. Uh, Patriots were looking the at Patriots did 15 times for 85 yards. And there might have been some run out the clocks at the end there. But the Patriots just abandoned the run game to build that lead. And then I believe that the Oof. next game for the Vikings after that was a game in Miami. And I think the Dolphins stole the exact same thing. And and if I am not mistaken, the coach of the Dolphins at that time was Nick Saban. That was, Saban. That was a few weeks later. Okay. It feels um, like they did the same later. thing. The Vikings wore color rush uniforms in that Miami game for the first time? No. I don't think they so. They wore color rush uniforms in 2006 once. Oh, pretty sure. Did they? That's I didn't one of the think few they things color rush reference. I don't think doesn't know his jersey is the jerseys. But the Dolphins maybe game, was, maybe it was 07. The Dolphins did the exact same thing. They just re, they just basically threw those short passes. And the key was if you didn't have to go through the Williams wall, you were absolutely fine. So outside runs? Yeah. Outside zones? And just yeah, short passes. Pitch plays. But they were that's the one thing. Anyway, we did really well. Yeah, congratulations, everybody. That was a very nice effort, team effort. Yeah. That's a random season recall here on Mackie and Judd. You can find our Vikings-specific podcast anywhere you find podcasts, Purple Daily, Apple, Spotify, and scorenorth.com. We will see you guys tomorrow.